Good morning, welcome back to Nach Yomi. We are going to be learning through Perak Yudbeis, the 12th Perak of Sefer Shoftim today. It is a short Perak, 15 Pesukim long. We meet the end of Yiftach, the sort of legacy that he leaves behind and a few Shoftim who follow him. Unfortunately, it is not a very nice way in which the story ends. After successfully beating back Amon and Moab and successfully militarily taking control, um, f- with the tragedy of his daughter ensuing, we now have a, a sort of civil war. What happens is, is that the Ish Ephraim, those are the people of Ephraim, so we're talking about West Bank um, Israelites, who now come, come to Yiftach, and they meet Yiftach, um, you know, ostensibly sometime after the war, and they said, uh, why didn't you call us? Right? We, we're going to burn your house down. So Yiftach says, well, wait a second. I, when I was going to war, I called everybody. You didn't listen to me. So you know what? I saw that you weren't coming. You weren't answering the signal. So I took, put my own, my, 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 my soul in my hand and I went and fought the battle. Now what are you, why are you coming to worry about me? Why are you fighting against me now? So um, Yiftach does sound well-founded over here. What he does next is, is strange. He gathers all of the Anshe Gilad, his, all the people of Menashe, and he fights Ephraim. In fact, all the Ephraimites who are interdispersed in East Bank Jordan, Menashe territory, what he does is he rounds them up and kills them. And, um, and he puts, up, puts border guards on the river. And he asks anybody trying to cross the river, moving westwards, he asks them to say the word Shiboles. If they say it mistakenly, Siboles, um, with uh, the switch of the shin to a sin, um, then in that case they would realize they actually had the accent of an Ephraimite and would be slaughtered there on the banks of the of the um, of the river itself. And that's the ensuing in that massacre in that all that operation. There was a killing of forty two thousand Ephraimites. That's a very large number of people. Um, and the pastor concludes that that Ephraim is that that Yiftach had six years of uh, duration of being a shofet, and he died and was buried in the mountains of Gilad. And as we know that, as we talked about last time, he he died of a terrible disease where his body parts fell off one by one, which is why he's buried in multiple locations. Okay, that's the end of Yiftach. Um, then we move on just very quickly to the, the Shoftim who follow in the, this Perak. We meet a person by the name of Ivtsan. We're told that Ivtsan comes from Bethlehem, from Beis Lechem. He had 30, uh, 30 sons and 30 daughters, each of them who married you know, people not from their original tribe. Um, and he had seven years and was um, as a Shofet and then died. We then meet the next Shofet whose name was Elon Hazvulani. Elon um, had a 10-year tenure and uh, of course is from Zvulun and was uh, buried in Ayalon, in Zulun. And finally, the last Shofet of this parak is Abdon bin Hillel. Abdon bin Hillel um, was, uh, for, uh, was um, from, from Pas, uh, Pas, uh, Pir As, um, Asoni, so that was the place that he came from, and he had an eight-year tenure and was buried in uh, the areas of Ephraim, um, Bahara Amaleki. And this is the end of this section of um, of these Shoftim. Just a few points to ponder on this particular parak. Strange things afoot. Number one is, is we've seen this Ephraim tension beforehand. We've seen it where Ephraim came to Gidon to the, to the twice previous Shafat and said, why weren't we included in the war? And then through diplomacy, Gidon was able to bring everything back together. This time, Yiftach, not standing for any of this nonsense, 
guy gets up and really sets up, as, essentially this is the first civil war we're seeing, um, which is occurring. We're going to see much worse ones coming in the future. But um, this is, uh, this already we're seeing, this is where Shoftim is breaking down. This is turning into a tribalism, where each tribe is for itself. There's no sense of national unit, um, unity and entity over here. The Mamla'ez points out a very, a very sad parallel, which relates back to the incident of his, um, his daughter, is that, you know, when Yiftach makes a, says something, when he makes a promise, he doesn't go back. He never gets off his seat. He doesn't, he digs in. So uh, to negativity of Yiftach over here, here he's, uh, he, he, you know, he's put in a position, his, 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 uh, you know, his um, um, policies are questioned, and he doesn't apologize, he doesn't uh, go for a diplomatic route. That's it, you're insulting me, that's it, finished. Right, same kind of thing um, with, with, with his daughter in a, in a very sad sense. What the Ulmer Forshin debate over here is how could these innocent people die? Meaning to say, let's assume that, 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 um, that some of them were really you know, belligerent warriors from Ephraim, but did all of them deserve to die? Radak says, no, no, don't worry. They had their own credit, um, you know, solid, quiet credit with God. They, need, they had their own issues that needed to be sorted out. It's just the way it works is Megalgalin Choy Valyadei Chayev that. Um, you know, bad things happen via bad people, and so, you know, Yiftach took, took the mantle, but they themselves had their own debts to settle. El Yarabo, which is one of the Midrashim, suggests a very interesting um, suggestion over here, and he says that actually if you look at the word Siboles, which is the way that Ephraim pronounced it, that actually is, it has kind of connotations to Avodah Zarah. So actually there was, a, there was a cleansing process which was going on through, the, through um, killing these Ephraimites. It wasn't that they weren't so innocent when they were being wiped out. One last thing point to think about in this parak is that the Gomorrah Baba Basra links this next Shofet called Ivtsan from Beis Lechem to another Shofet we know from Beis Lechem, and that is Boaz. Interestingly enough, of course, Megillas Rus is in the time of Shvot HaShoftim, which means Megillas Rus, even though it comes in Ksuvim, is actually timelined right here in Sefer Shoftim. So that would mean to say in Perikud Bays is where we would find the parallel story of Megillas Rus occurring. Just gives us a little more context. It tells us a lot of interesting things about Boaz. Number one is that if he already has 60 children, that means that his marriage to Rus, um, Dr. Yael Ziegler points out, is clearly not a marriage because he needs children. It's a, clearly a selfless act which really parallels the selflessness of Rus marrying Boaz himself and within this, within this framework. Another thing we also learn over here is that he was, it, it, the Tanakh makes clear that he married his children to people outside of his regular sphere of influence, Anachrios, um, people outside of the, the realm of the regular marriage, which also helps us understand that Boaz was very much an open-minded individual, and which allowed him to be a little more willing to marry Rus, with, with the risks that it came, more than this other fellow, Ploni Almoni, in the family who was not willing to take that risk. So he says some very fascinating backgrounds over here, also gives us a little bit of a sense of the anarchy of the time in which Rus was born. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.